glad that you're listening to this podcast. This podcast is a ministry of the Bonners Ferry Baptist Church and of Pastor Devin Neal. Thank you. you. May be seated. I think of this verse tonight too, and you have to bear with me and pray that I don't get too scattered in my thinking. A lot of verses kind of firing through my mind. But in 1 Corinthians 13, the Bible's talking about charity. And the Bible begins with, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I'm become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. So we're talking about how we ought to answer men tonight. We're not necessarily only speaking of the content of what we say, but also the reason for why we say it. We can be polished in our speech, but it may not be the right words at the right time. Wisdom not only knows what is acceptable, but when that is acceptable. And again, we touched on some of that last week. What I look at more tonight is, okay, if I'm going to be, if I'm going to have the tongue of the wise, are there some things that need to be in place in me, in my heart, so that I have the tongue of the wise? And, of course, the answer to that is yes. And so as we, we consider some of the verses we just looked at, we'll jump right into this matter. But as you see throughout, we touched this last week as well, every aspect we've looked at regarding the Christian and his or her body, the use of the body, whether it's the tongue, the feet, um, the appetite, the appearance is always tied to the heart. God does a work in the heart first, and then what he does in the heart is reflected in the body. Uh, this is why there's so much wrong with the idea today that you and I can treat our bodies like lost people treat their bodies, and there's, it's not a problem. So lost folks go out and, for instance, get tattoos on their bodies. We love those people. God can save those people. A number of saved people have the scars of sin, tattoos. So this is not about hating people. The point is, a lost person treats their body that way because of the condition of their heart. A saved person doesn't go out and go to the same tattoo parlor and get a scripture verse put on his arm and say, well, now it's sanctified. No, there's something wrong with that. Our body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, and that is always, by the way, another message for another time, but tattooing the body is always connected with idolatry and heathenism, not with Christianity and serving the Lord. It's a hard issue. So why would then would a Christian tattoo their body? Why would a Christian put a Bible verse on their arm? Because they want to fit in in the world. That's the number one reason. I want to fit in. It's popular now to do that. And so it's, it's still a hard issue. It's been said. The, issue, the heart of the issue is an issue of the heart. And we find the same true with our tongue. There's no way to have the tongue of the wise in the heart of a fool. It's just impossible. If I'm to have the tongue of the wise, I've got to have the heart of a wise person. I'm going to give three things tonight that I believe characterize the heart of a wise person, that characterize the person or must be in place in our hearts if we are going to answer as we ought to. I believe you'll find these three things, and we could probably come up with more, but these seem to be the basic things in place here that you'll find as you study the Lord Jesus Christ were the driving factors or the leading guiding factors of his own heart And, of course, as having saved us, he is the template that we are to be conformed to. Whom he he did foreknow, he also did did, uh, uh, predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. And so we need to follow the pattern. As saved by the Lord, we need to follow the pattern of the Lord in how we use our tongue. I believe this. I believe uh, our adversary, the devil, is very, very uh, busy about trying to use us to bring shame to the Lord's name. And a great way that he can do that is through our tongues. How many times do we have an opportunity to answer words of truth 
to people who need to hear the truth, and we're not ready. We just, we're not prepared, and so when the time to respond to someone that has said something, so for instance, someone makes a claim, they make a statement of their belief about God, and it's made in our presence, and we have an opportunity to earnestly contend for the faith, and we're just not ready to step up to the bat, to the plate, we're not ready to boldly speak the truth, and this message deals so much with, I believe the answer of the tongue has got to be done before the opportunity to answer comes. And so, first and foremost, if we're going to have a right answer, if we're going to know how we ought to answer every man, we must have consecration, consecration of heart. Remember what Proverbs 16, 1 says? The preparations of the heart in man and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. The Lord has to prepare our hearts to be ready to give an answer. Boldness, as I understand it from the Bible, by the way, I think it's one of the things we need most when it comes to answering people. Uh, The fear of man bringeth a snare. The opposite, or the victory over the fear of man, is called boldness. Boldness is the lack or, or or the victory over, the ability to overcome the fear of man in order to say truth that perhaps men do not want to hear, but need to be stated. And so... As we look at the New Testament church, one of the things they prayed for the most was boldness. The lost world wants to intimidate the child of God to keeping the truth within, not letting it come out. But our Lord said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. I believe this many a time, someone that is very strong in their feeling about the things of God or about sin are more than willing, the lost world's more than willing to be bold in its statements about what it thinks and what it believes. And what it does is seeks to intimidate us into silence. And if we're not prepared as we should be by the Lord, we're not going to answer as we should. We're not going to answer the Pharisee who wishes to silence the gospel. We're not going to be able to answer the skeptic who wishes to silence the gospel. We're not going to be able to answer according to our faith if we're not prepared And preparation comes from the Lord. The preparations of the heart in man and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. And so if I'm going to answer people correctly who are speaking to me, who are presenting different things to me, first of all, I have to have consecration of heart. That's what Proverbs 16 is speaking about. And it's exactly the same thing that 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says. But sanctify the Lord God in your heart. That comes first and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. This message on how we use our tongue is a tremendous opportunity to remind all of us, including myself, that if we're going to answer people, how many of us are going to engage people in the world this week? We're going to engage people at the grocery store. May I say this? For me, living in a small town, it is not hard for me to have conversations about the things of God. Most people in this town... Uh, I know a lot of people, a lot of people know who I am, and so they know you're a preacher, and so they want to talk about religious things. But for you, how do you strike up a conversation about God? Number one, just be the Christian God's called you to be. They'll know something's different. Number two, a gospel track is a good way, is it not? My point is this, is when we have that opportunity, the only way we're going to be ready is to have spent the time making sure the Lord has the place in our heart he's supposed to. It is faith that allows the Lord, sanctify the Lord God in your heart means this, make your heart the dwelling place and the abode of God. 
Sanctify means you set apart your heart for the place where the Lord is at. David said it this way, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Let me put it to you this way, or read it the way that, uh, that Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, puts it in Colossians 3, verse 16. So in Colossians 4, 5, and 6, he says, Walk in wisdom toward them that are without, uh, redeeming the time. Uh, let, me, let me read those verses again. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. The chapter prior to that, Colossians 3, 16, he says this, Let the word, let me back up to verse 15, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, uh, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. I believe this. If we have to mechanically try to make our tongue give right answers, rather than it being the outflow of a heart that's filled with the Word of God, we're going to fail to answer as we should. Let me me give you another illustration of Scripture. We spoke of Peter earlier. Peter is known for how he answered, is he not? How he answered the Lord, how he answered critics, so on and so forth. The Lord knew that Peter was going to come under some, some severe pressure the night that Jesus was, was arrested and would be crucified. And how did he tell Peter to prepare for that night? Pray. Watch ye and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. That night, Peter with his tongue answered those who said, you're one of his disciples. And what was his answer? He told a lie. He said, I am not. And another one said, you are one of his. And he said, I am not. And another one said, you're one of his. And he said, I am not. Then he proceeded to answer like them. He began to curse and to swear and to use his tongue like an unbeliever. Now, what was the key? Why? Let me ask you this. Did Peter not know here what the answers to those questions were? He was accused of being one of Jesus' disciples. Did he know the truth? then why didn't he answer the truth? He wasn't ready in his heart. The Lord had said some things to Peter that Peter would not accept where? Here or here or both? The Lord had said, this night you'll deny me. And he said, no, I won't. Was the word of Christ dwelling in him richly? Or was he rejecting it? He was saying, I don't think that applies to me. I don't think that applies to me. I believe this. And it's recorded in Scripture for our admonition. Had Peter minded the Lord, when the Lord said, watch and pray, did Peter let his word dwell in him richly? Did he take it to heart? He didn't. And we're often guilty of the same thing. We hear the words of God. We know them mechanically and truthfully. We believe them at some measure, but we've not took it to heart. We've not taken to heart. The Lord says, you're going to have to pray or you're not going to be ready. And so the first point to giving a right answer to answering every man is we must spend time with the Lord. It's the Lord that prepares our heart. It's the Lord that spends time with us as we spend time with Him in the Bible and then submitting to His authority and yielding our hearts to His and taking seriously and sincerely His admonitions to us, saying that's the application. As we spend time with Him in prayer, the Holy Spirit of God begins to prepare our heart for what lies ahead. 
The preparation's in the heart of man, and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. I believe num- the number one, you say, I want to be a better witness. I believe this with all my heart. Tonight, I want to be a better preacher. I want to be a better dad. I want to be a better husband. I want not to be better than anybody else. I just want to be better than where I'm at. I want to be more like my Savior. You say, what's the key? I believe this with all my heart. More time with the Lord. I believe that with all my heart. I want to have more boldness in dealing with lost people. I'm not against some kind of, you know, training people how to deal with people. I'm going to tell you something. You can go through a soul winning training course by the best soul winners in the world, but if you do not spend close time with the Lord in the prayer closet, boldness will never come. We'll have to replace spirit-filled boldness with some kind of mechanism. Let me ask you this. Acts chapter 3 they saw the boldness of Peter and John. That means the way they were speaking and answering their critics, when they saw their boldness, what did they say? Man, where did these guys go to school? They said, these men have been with Jesus. It was abundantly clear they had been consecrated. Jesus Christ had 100% of their heart. What Jesus did not have in Peter on the night that Peter was arrested... He did have in Acts chapter 2. The the Bible calls it conversion to where the Lord got a hold of Peter's heart and Peter's heart became a throne for Jesus Christ. That's what sanctify the Lord God in your heart means. And so, see, I, I want to answer people wisely. I want my tongue to be like apples of gold and pictures of silver. Then I must make sure that the Lord Jesus Christ is ruling and reigning, meaning there's no opposition, no no doubt of his word, and if it is, I've got to confess it to him as sin. I've got to make sure that the Lord is having the place, the preeminence in my heart that he's worthy to have. That is, that is first and foremost, because it is out of that, his position of rule over my heart and the, the place of his word in my heart, and it's not, it's not stuffing it in the head. It's receiving it into the heart by faith, believing what he says is true, taking him at his word, submitting to his authority, that he rules and reigns in the heart, and as he has that, then he teaches my heart how to answer. The preparations in the heart of man, the answer of the tongue, is from the Lord. And so for him to have consecration of my heart, he has to be present. We have to be born again. He has to be given the place. He may be there, but remember, we're not only indwelt with the Spirit, we're to be filled with the Spirit. And what happens for the Lord to fill us is as he addresses attitudes of our heart, we yield to him. When he says, this is pride, I can't dwell there. We confess it and we humble ourselves and let him have any place in our heart he desires. He should own 100% of our hearts. Again, Colossians 1.18, that he's to have the preeminence in all things, meaning our entire world is to revolve around one person, him, around the Lord Jesus Christ. That's consecration of hearts. Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man. So the first point to being able to answer as we should is the Lord's going to have to have place in our hearts. He's going to have to have the preeminent place in our heart. Our heart is going to have to be the designate it today. It is today, the heart of the Christian, what the temple of Jerusalem was years ago. If you went to the temple of Jerusalem when Solomon was there, why would you go to the temple in Jerusalem? There was one exclusive purpose for the existence of that temple, and what was that? God was there. It was exclusively designated for the worship of God. Now, that's what the heart of the believer is today. I am to worship God through my marriage. I am to worship God through the way I raise my children. 
I'm to worship God in my reading of my Bible. I'm to worship God in the way I carry out my job in a secular workforce. I'm to worship God by the way I eat and drink. My diet is a means by which I can show that I trust God. Well, therefore, you eat or drink or whatsoever you do. Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Do all to the glory of God. You realize my entire life, everything in my heart is not about me. It's about God. He died for me. He redeemed me. And I have the ability to use everything in my life to point to Him. That's the idea of the Lord having the place in our hearts. You see, as long as selfishness and pride is prevailing in my heart, I'm going to give answers that self-preserve. I'm going to give answers that self-promote. I'm going to give answers that are pleasing to me. As long as I'm looking out for my comfort, I'm going to have an opportunity to tell someone the truth. But I realize in my conscience, if I tell them the truth, they're not going to like me. And if they don't like me, I'm not going to get the benefit of their friendship. So I'm going to tell them what they want to hear rather than what they need to hear. Whereas if the Lord was ruling, the Lord would say, this is what they need to hear. But what about me? Well, your heart's not about you. It's about the Lord. So when the Lord has the place in my heart, that's key to my tongue being ready to answer. My tongue will be guided. This is why charity, 1 Corinthians 13, is the key to a tongue that's not vain. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels that have not charity, I become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal, a vain, empty sound unless the heart is ruled and directed by the Lord and His purposes. And so... If I'm going to answer as I should, I must have consecration of heart. Number two, out of that consecration comes conviction. I must have conviction of heart. One of the purposes of Proverbs is to form convictions. Convictions is a a firm persuasion of a truth. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 21. You see, the longer you walk with the Lord, more confidence you'll have in the Scripture. It's listening to men who don't believe God that will destroy your confidence in the Bible. The Holy Spirit will never destroy your confidence in the book he authored and preserved. He'll never do it. The more I read my Bible and ignore the naysayers, the more I'm confident I have the very words of God. When I start listening to critics and deniers and and questioners, then it may get those questions to take root in my heart. Proverbs 22, 21, the author, of course, here is the Holy Spirit of God. He uses Solomon to pin it down. But he says this. He's talking about the purpose of writing these counsels and knowledge. Verse 20 says, look back to verse 19. This is that consecration again. That thy trust may be in the Lord. I have made known to thee this day, even to thee. Have not I written to thee excellent things in counsels and knowledge? Verse 21. That I might make thee know the certainty of the words of truth. That thou mightest answer the words of truth to them that send unto thee. He said, you'll not answer the words of truth unless you're certain that they are. You'll never give somebody a Bible verse as an answer if you're not sure it's the right answer. Amen? You'll never say, but the Bible says, if you're still wondering, but is that the right thing to believe? Well, the Bible says, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, but I'm not so sure if that's true or not. Well, the Bible says, honor thy father and thy mother, and the Proverbs are filled with uh, children listening to and honoring their parents, but I'm not sure that's the best advice. Well, the Bible says that salvation is by grace through faith, but is it? You see, what the answer here is, is as you trust the Lord, you don't become less certain of the words of truth. You get conviction. We are being taught by the culture today that conviction is a sin. That if you're sure what is true, you're wrong. And I want to say to them, are you sure about that? (laughs) The only thing the world seems to have a conviction about is that nobody knows what's true and that they're sure of. 
<laughs> Isn't that amazing how that works? But the Bible says, I've written unto you uh, counsels, uh, excellent things and counsels and knowledge that I may make thee know the certainty of the words of truth. Turn to Luke, Luke chapter 1. The, 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 the wording here is almost identical in Luke chapter 1 as Luke writes to Theophilus, seemingly someone he's discipling in the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says this, Luke 1. So first of all, if we're going to answer words of truth, we must have a right heart toward the Lord. May we say it that way. We must sanctify the Lord God in our hearts. Our heart has to be right toward the Lord. He must, we must have a submitted heart, a trusting heart, a loving heart toward Him as, so that He is ruling and reigning in our hearts and has the, the place to dwell in our hearts without any reservation. We should not crowd Him out of any part of our heart. It's to be a sanctified place for Him. Number two, out of that comes conviction of heart. Luke chapter 1 says, For as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us, even as they deliver them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word, it seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus, that thou mightest know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. That Theophilus, I want you to be certain about the truths concerning Jesus Christ. May I say this, you and I will never be the witnesses of the truth of God that we are called to be. He said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Go ye therefore and teach. That's answering a lost world. That's responding to their unbelief. That is telling forth the things of the truth of Christ. But we'll not do it if we don't have a conviction ourselves. And so first of all, this matter of conviction of heart deals with confidence in the truth. I am confident that the words I've been given are most certainly the words of truth. So we must be have confidence in the truth. We must then have a commitment to the truth, meaning I'll not speak anything that's out of line with what God says. I'll not speak forth anything that is not in compliance with His Word and with not in accord with His Word. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 8. I'll tell you, this will go a long way if we say, by God's grace, I'm going to have a conviction. I will not use my tongue to utter anything but truth, Period. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 8. The Apostle Paul has this to say. uh, 2 Corinthians 13, verse 8. For we can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. Proverbs 23, 23 says, Buy the truth and sell it not. Also wisdom, instruction, knowledge. Uh, I'm going to read that. Proverbs 23, 23. Uh, buy the truth and sell it not, also wisdom and instruction and understanding. We must have not only confidence in the truth, but a commitment to the truth, meaning I'm not going to do anything that would misrepresent the truth. I'm going to be for the truth, not against it. And then finally, of course, then we must have a confession of the truth. Ephesians 4 says, speaking the truth in love. I believe this. Many times I've been saying this through this series there is an answer that ought to be given. Isn't that what Colossians 4 says? That we may know how we ought to answer every man. There's a right answer that ought to be given to people. And if we as Christians are not walking with the Lord, letting Him have the rule in our hearts that He ought to have, the answer that ought to be given isn't given. I was listening to a preacher this weekend, just the start of a sermon on darkness and light. And he was making the point that we understand that darkness confusion and the belief of lies and deception is prevailing in our land. The only way for darkness to prevail is for light to be absent. 
Light is more powerful than darkness. One of the reasons that the lies of Satan is being prefer, are being preferred over the truth of God, and I understand, straight as the gate and narrow way, there will always be more people on the broad way than the narrow way. But one of the reasons that we are, are losing our influence in this world is our refusal to give the answers we ought to. In a, this, is where, this is where it gets very real. We're in a conversation and we know the people we're talking to hold beliefs contrary to what we believe. We know that we're in the minority. We know that we're the peculiar one. We're the one that holds the narrow view about morality. We hold the narrow view about origin. We hold the narrow view about righteousness and salvation. We hold a narrow view of Jesus Christ. And so when it's time to answer them, we modify our answers to their ears. We are often more respectful of their unbelief than we are of God's truth. I said we. This is something that we must have by conviction. I will not apologize for what God says, nor can you. We must lovingly toward God know that what man needs is his truth, and we're the spokesman. But often under pressure and intimidation from an unbelieving world, we leave answers out. We, we don't fully state what, here's the word again, ought to be said. What ought to be said. And many times, by the time we get around to saying it, we're so stirred up and in a wrong attitude, we don't say it the way it ought to be said. We may say what ought to be said, but we don't say it the way it ought to be said. Can you imagine being Paul before Agrippa? And the Bible says that he began to, to reprove Agrippa of, of sin and righteousness and of temperance. Here is a preacher preaching to a king that has the power to remove his head about your need to repent toward a holy God. Paul said what he ought to say, when he ought to say it. How did he do that? Well, if you read the chapters prior, he and the Lord were communing in the night while he was in prison. The Lord assuring him, I, I'm going to take care of you. May I say this, I, and I believe this is so practical. We as Christians lose our boldness when we lose our prayer closet. An anemic Christian is someone who is just not spending time with the Lord like we should. More time with the Lord more devotion to Him. The more time I spend with Him, the more loyal I am to Him. And then He takes me out into a world and people start saying things that are in conflict with what He's told me. And I have to say, no, I'm on His side. Little time with Him, more respect for them. You with me tonight? Consecration first. Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Be ready always to give an answer to every man. God is saying, if you want to be ready to answer, you have to spend time with me. I'm going to prepare you. You have to be spending time with me. Number two, out of that consecration comes conviction. We must know that his words through the Bible, that he confirms by his Holy Spirit as we commune with him and he applies them to our life, are words of truth. We must have confidence in the truth, commitment to the truth, and then we must have confession of the truth. The Bible makes a big deal of confessing him before men. Now, does that only confessing he existed or confessing his words? If you're ashamed of me and my words before men, then I'll be ashamed before of you before my Father. And so there must be consecration of heart. There must be conviction of heart. And then the person must have, we who have the Lord dwelling in our hearts and His truth in us by conviction must have consideration from our heart before we speak. Proverbs 15, 28. 
when we're under the direction of the Lord, no one is shooting off at the mouth. I don't believe words of Christians ought to come out on accident. They ought to come out on purpose. Directed by the Lord. We ought to know, nope, that's not the right thing to say right now. Now's my time. I got to speak now or not. Proverbs 15, verse 28. And that just comes by walk. This I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of flesh. That includes our tongue. Amen. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 28. The heart of the righteous does what? Studieth to answer. 2 Timothy 2, 15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. The heart of the righteous studieth to answer. You know one of the wonderful things about trying to win people to the Lord? You'll go to work figuring out how to answer them. Some will never begin to witness because they say, I'm afraid I'll give a wrong answer. You know what that person's doing? They're taking their talent and burying it in the dirt. I'll just do nothing with my talent rather than maybe do it wrong. I would urge you, be better to go out and give a wrong answer so you can study how to give a right one next time than to always say, well, I'm not going to speak because I might give a wrong answer. That is an excuse of a slothful person. That's all it is, what Jesus said to the talent, the man who had the talent and would not use it. He said, I gave you a talent. He said, well, I knew you were a hard and austere man. I didn't want to misuse what you gave me, so I buried it in the dirt. You know what? There are times in trying to witness to people, I've answered them incorrectly. I mean, I've ever lost the argument with a lost person. I remember 16 years of age walking down the streets of Atlanta, Georgia in the Olympics, and I go to Hannah Man a track, and he's a black fella. He's got this interesting-looking hat. I can tell he's from a different country, and he begins to speak with me. And he said, what are you doing? I explained to him, this is a... And I wasn't even right with the Lord at the time. I wasn't where I need to be with God. I had not sanctified in my heart as I should. So I'm sure my answers were not altogether appropriate that day. But he began to tell me, I'm a Muslim, first Muslim I ever witnessed to. Why do you believe what you believe? He began to ask me. I'll tell you what, I've had the opportunity to witness to some Muslims since then. I want my answers to be right from God's word. You know what? The heart of the righteous studieth, means applies oneself diligently to the task of answering. We don't take answering people lightly. The heart of the righteous studieth to answer, but the mouth of the wicked, what? Poureth out foolishness. Foolishness just flows out of a wicked man on accident. It's like water coming out of a well. It just, just comes out. But for us, it should come out intentionally. We should study to answer. So we must have consecration of heart, conviction of heart, but consideration from our heart before we answer. We need, to, we need to study, okay, what's the right way to answer someone that, you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that you answer a scorner differently than you answer someone that's simple. The scorner is not to be given explanation. The Bible says, uh, answer a fool. I'll read you these verses in just a moment. Answer not a fool according unto his folly, lest I be like unto him. And then it sounds like God's contradicting himself. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own conceit. There's sometimes fools pour out their foolishness and you want to act just like them and start bantering back and forth and God says, don't do that. You're just going to be like him. But then there's sometimes a fool says something and if you don't, re- if you don't rebut what he says, he's going to think he's right. Well, we need the discernment to know which. How do you get that? Back to point one. <laughs> Walk with the one who knows everything. He'll teach us how to answer. As we walk with the Lord, he'll put the answers. He'll train our tongue how to know that's a scorner. Answer him this way. This is a simple one. Give him knowledge. This is someone who is wise and loves reproof. I got news for you. You get somebody loves reproof. You answer them very differently than the person who hates it. 
we have to not answer amen. A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. And so then, the consideration from our heart is this. We consider first and foremost what is acceptable to the Lord. There are answers that are never acceptable to the Lord. An answer that is rooted in wrath or anger. The wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. An answer that is simply rooted in pride cannot be right. And so we must prove out what kind of an answer is acceptable to the Lord. We need to get counsel and wisdom from God. This is where the prayer closet comes in to tell us this is how you answer here. This is how you answer here. So we must prove what is acceptable to the Lord. I quoted it earlier, but 2 Timothy 2.15, Study, study, diligently apply yourself to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. I believe the words of Christians ought to be like gold. When we speak, people ought to know they don't speak much, but when they do, you listen to what they have to say. We ought to be so studied in how we should answer men, when we should answer men, the way we should answer men with truth, that we are diligent and disciplined in our speech and how we respond to people. It should not be haphazard. It should, the Christian should never say, man, I just let that slip. And if that's happening, we need to let the Lord help us in that area of our life where whatever it is is slipping from our tongue. And so then we must study to answer what is acceptable to the Lord. First of all, Proverbs 10.32, we looked at this last week. Proverbs 10.32, the lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked speaketh frowardness. David said this in Psalm 19, verse 14, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be what? Acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. How many have ever said something because you knew it would make everybody in the room think, man, you're the greatest? So you popped something off and you got a good laugh. And I'm not saying it's wrong to make people laugh. That's not my point. Mary Hardooth could like a medicine. But the reason we said it was to get attention for ourselves and in the process we hurt somebody with what we said. We took a jab at somebody else. We maligned someone else with our words, but it made the majority of people happy with us. We could use other illustrations. My point is, we ought to, this is our primary rule. When the Lord is sanctified in our heart, then the only question we have to answer is what's acceptable to Him. What kind of language is acceptable to Him? What kind of answer is acceptable to Him? And so then we consider from our heart what is acceptable to the Lord and then what is appropriate to the situation. We need to be discerning of the kind of situation we're in by having walked with the Lord. Proverbs 18.13 says in verse uh, 13 of chapter 18, He that answereth a matter before he heareth it, it is folly and shame unto him. Man, I cannot tell you the times the Holy Spirit of God has taken me to this verse and said, you need to pay better attention to that. Someone starts telling you something, it stirs something inside of you, and before you even get done listening, you already know what the answer is. I've done it. I don't want to do it, but I've done it. And I answered a matter before I got even done listening to it, Meaning I never, I couldn't give the appropriate response because I didn't even have all the facts in. I didn't even know the whole story, but something offended my pride and I needed to defend myself now. You ever had somebody start explaining something to you and you just know they're accusing you of something? And so you say, no, no, and you start answering and they say, that's not even what I was going to say. And you go, oh, where's the nearest rock I can crawl under now? Because <laughs> we answered a matter before we heard it. He that answereth the matter before he heareth it, it is, it is folly, it's shame 
unto us. Proverbs 18, 13 again. He that answereth the matter before he heareth it is folly and shame unto him. So we must pause long enough to say, okay, what am I hearing? What are the facts? What is the truth? I, I am the person here that must be on the side of truth. I may be in a crowd where everybody there believes a lie. I need to listen very closely. What, what exactly are you saying? I believe this. Every one of us need God's grace and help to listen diligently to people. We need to listen. Yeah, I believe if we, if we'll, I believe this in soul winning. You're trying to win somebody the Lord. Listen closely to what they're saying to you. Even if they're angry with you, even if they're irritated with you, listen to them. Why, why are they angry? Are they angry because they hate God or are they angry because they're scared out of their wits? I believe the woman at the well was a little miffed at the Lord Jesus myself. She said, what do you want to do with me? You're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. Why are you talking to me? A lot of us would say, well, if you don't want me to talk to you, fine. I was going to offer you eternal life, but if you don't want it, fine. <laughs> but the Lord listened closely to her, and he kept answering her perfectly. He answered her perfectly until she got saved. I believe this. We need to consider diligently. We need to listen wisely before we answer and not answer a matter before we hear it. And again, Proverbs 26. I said we'd read this, so let's turn there. Proverbs 26, 4 and 5. What might be a right answer now may be a wrong answer next time. And I believe, by the way, if you'll pay attention to Proverbs 26, 4 and 5, you'll see how both of these verses are applicable. There's times fools need to be answered and fool, there's times fools need to be ignored and the Lord will give us wisdom to know the difference, but we must first stop, listen, and consider what is the acceptable answer. Proverbs 26, 4. Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest thou also be like unto him. When the fool is spouting off calling you... Let me give you a good example. Many times when people can't win an argument, okay, so they don't have any substance to argue, what, what is the recourse? Attack the individual. Start pointing out all their flaws and you know how they, they made a gaffe in their speech 30 seconds ago. Don't play that game. We're not, we, don't, we, shouldn't, we shouldn't play the game of, well, let's turn this to a personal attack now because that's what you did to me. Now I'm going to do that to you. No, stay on point. Stay with the truth. And so we don't answer a fool according to his folly. But then he may say something, and if I'm silent, what he'll think is, ha, see, I was right. He has no answer. Well, pipe up with the truth then. We need to be discerning in the moment to know, okay, what's the appropriate answer? Now, again, how do we do that? Consecration of the Lord. Out of his mouth cometh wisdom. We'll read Proverbs 2, 6 in just a minute to conclude. But Proverbs 26, 4, Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest thou also be like unto him. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own conceit. Back to Proverbs 2 as we conclude tonight. We started with, if we're going to answer correctly those around us, people that we're responding to, and this is general. It can be answering a brother in Christ. It can be answering an unbeliever. But the point is our answer needs to be right answers. We need to be loyal to the Lord and loyal to the truth. We must be consecrated to the Lord in our hearts, have conviction of His truth in our hearts, and be considerate of what is appeal, uh, uh, acceptable to Him and appropriate in His sight and in the moment of time. Uh, and the way we do that, Proverbs 2, verse 6 says, let's begin in verse 1. My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding, yea, if thou criest after knowledge and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as hid treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom, out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. You realize when we give a right answer, 
ultimately we are simply repeating what we've been told. We're just telling people what the Lord has told us. That's true wisdom. None of us is wise in and of ourselves. The preparations in the heart of man and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. So this comes full circle. Well, I want to do what's acceptable in his sight and what's appropriate for the hearer. Then I have to spend time with the one who pours out wisdom. He can give me wisdom how to guide my tongue, how to use my tongue. And by the way, this is for how many men? Every man. As husbands, wives, we know how to answer each other. Parents to children and children to parents and children to children should know how to answer each other. Brother to brother, sister to sister in the family of God, we ought to know how to answer each other. You know what the key is? Spend time with the Lord in His Word, His Word in us, and us in prayer. And as we sanctify the Lord God in our hearts, giving Him the place He's worthy of, then He'll fill us with wisdom, prepare our heart, and then we'll be ready to give an answer to every man. I hope it's helpful to you tonight. I believe the Lord has much, much more on the subject, but I believe this gives us some basis. And I'll say this, if I want the fruit, the ability to answer correctly, I must apply myself to the root, sanctify the Lord God in my heart, making sure that He has precedence and preeminence in my heart. Mm -hmm.